Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, David S. Dawson. Thank you once again for joining us. This is episode 122, and tonight we have Brad McPherson and TJ Scott, the co-writers, producers, and TJ Scott is also the director of the forthcoming movie, Death Valley, which... uh, this is our Death Valley week on the Intellectual Podcast. On Monday, we dropped our episode with star Victoria Pratt. Thank you guys so much for listening to that show. It's been one of our fastest downloaded, highest rated episodes uh, in months. And it's uh, fantastic to see so much interest in Victoria Pratt and in the movie Death Valley. And we bring you even more coverage today uh, with TJ Scott and Brad McPherson and our discussions with them about making this movie uh, in Death Valley, what all those challenges were like. Um, these are also two very, very entertaining uh, men that we talked to, and I think you'll get a lot out of the, of the discussion, and so I'm really excited for you to hear it. Um, Kristen and Brian and Carla and I will be going up to Rally Studios on Saturday to cover the Death Valley red carpet, where we'll get to see all of them again, and you will get to see these wonderful guests and many, many more on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash intellectual network. And you can find our YouTube channel through our menu link off of ixe.us as well. And, uh, we should have content from that up, uh, sometime on Monday. Death Valley goes into release on October 20th. So make sure that you check out the film. Uh, you can check all the information about it at Death Valley, uh, the movie.com I believe and um, yeah so uh, just very cool that these uh, absolutely delightful filmmakers took the time to sit with us and talk about this film and uh, I'm really looking forward to covering their red carpet on Saturday uh, before we get into the interview I want to make a shout out to my intellectual film team We are going to be participating in the Four Points Film Project in mid-November. That's the sister project to the 48-hour film project. But with a twist, we get an extra day to make our movie. So it's a three-day film competition. And for those of you who've listened to the show for a long time, you know that I've done the show primarily as a means of trying to get myself back into the film community and uh, in touch with other filmmakers and artists and and to expand my own personal network so that I can become a better filmmaker and do better films. And this Four Points Film Project is essentially going to be the film that the podcast built. Um, I'm very pleased to make the announcements that uh, Michael Brueggemeyer, the award-winning director from the Amalgamated Grommets, uh, is joining as my AD. Uh, we've got JT doing grip work. Uh, Frank Forth is our sound guy. Uh, Phoenix Webb and John Avalis are going to be doing our makeup. Um, 
Mike Tao, the award-winning uh, editor who was just on the show recently, as well as Frank Forth. Um, he's going to be our, our editor. I'm, I'm just like super, super stoked. You know, we've got this incredible team, and those are just like some of the top uh, names, but the whole group is just phenomenal. And really, it's the power of sitting down and talking to people on this show that has made it possible for me to be in touch with and develop relationships with people that I admire, people that I'm inspired by. And because of the show, because of these opportunities to have these conversations, I'm now going to get to work with uh, what I think is going to be one of the strongest film teams I've ever had the privilege to um, sit down and work with. Um, it's going to be great. Merrick McCartha is in our pool of actors. Uh, my friend Murat Oyvetsky uh, is also in our pool of actors. Uh, on the ladies' side, we've got Laura Boleyn, we've got Kristen Naomi Garcia, my sister Laura Davis will be joining us, um, uh, Carenza Laguerre, just this very deep pool of people. Um, everybody is fantastic at what they do, and I think it's going to be a real blast, and I'm looking forward to doing this with everybody. So... In another month or so, we go into that film project, and we will have a new intellectual entertainment uh, film, the first film uh, made with a truly real crew uh, that we've had in a very, very long time. Um, it won't be a strictly family affair, as most of our films have been for the last few years, and I'm excited. I'm excited to have such a powerful team. And... For those of you listening, if you're looking for a team to join for the Four Points Film Project, we're looking for PAs, we're looking for assistance um, across the board, and uh, you know, reach out to me. Let me know that you want to join the team and you've got you know, some, uh, some skills to bring to the table. And uh, there will be plenty of incredible people on our team that you can learn from, and uh, all of us, I think, will be incredibly open to having a learning set. And uh, I think it's just going to be great. So let me know. Uh, you guys know how to reach me. I'm on Twitter, at The Intellectual. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. And uh, you know, let me know if you're interested in joining the team. It's going to be great. I'm super, super excited. And now, let's listen to some of the behind-the-scenes of another very powerful film team that went out and made a feature film uh, on a smaller budget. And uh, by the skin of their teeth, with a very small crew in the middle of one of the most inhospitable places on the planet. These are the filmmakers of Death Valley, Brad McPherson, and TJ Scott, on the 122nd episode of The Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The intellectual podcast starts now. So, hi, Brad. Uh, hi, Brad. Brad, hey. Brad McPherson, co-writer and producer on Death Valley. That's right. Uh, I guess to start everything off, tell us a little bit about Death Valley. Well, Death Valley is a story about four people who meet in Los Angeles late at night in a bar and decide it'd be a good idea to go get married in Vegas. So they jump in the car, drive through the night, take the back roads, hit a woman in the road, and then 
crash in the desert and decide, and then they have to go make from the the back road to the main roads, and people start dying. (laughs) The classic story in the desert. (laughs) Right. I don't know why anybody goes to the desert. Why do people keep going to the desert? (laughs) You see vultures in the sky run. That's true. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they circle around Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) That's for a whole different reason. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm always fascinated uh, with with horror film and, and violence writers. Um, you seem like a nice enough guy. I believe I heard you're Canadian before we sat down. Like, yeah, I apologize. So I must be, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> where does the scary come from for you when you're writing? Well, there's two reasons. I mean, one reason is anytime you write yourself into a corner, you just kill somebody and it's easy. <laughs> nice. But I don't know. Hold I on. I gotta get my notes. notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take notes Where's to live by? Um, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of fascinating. I like putting people, normal people, into irregular circumstances and see how they react. And they just the stories tend to go dark. People, <laughs> people, the characters tend to make some really bad decisions. And people, the characters you would think, and in real life, you would think irrational people make very irrational decisions put in certain circumstances. So I, I don't have nightmares. I don't sleep, stay up at night and dream <laughs> about these things. <laughs> I uh, I did do uh, a long time ago. I worked for a show called A Thousand Ways to Die. Mm-hmm. So it was my job for a year it's to a dream up show. really, really, really disturbing ways for people to die. Yeah, it was one of my sisters. Yeah. Like that was you. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. yes. laughs> that was but, my favorite. But I don't know. It, it's a that it's, gave me nightmares. <laughs> Why? Because they were real things that happened. Kind of. <laughs> so. There were there was some there was some truth in it. Some truth. I know. I can tell you that. But it's just kind of. I don't know. I like where the stories go in, the, in those circumstances, and it really it amps it amps up the stakes. Mm-hmm. And so, you need characters to really be motivated. There's nothing more motivated than the threat of death. So, you know, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it, uh, it's true. It is the the great equalizer when everybody's facing <laughs> death. Yes, everybody's equal at that point. Yeah, that's true. You <laughs> get you really strip people down to the bone and. Uh, Sometimes down to the bone. Sometimes, yeah. If need be. (laughs) Another note for my phone. Yeah, right. But it's a a good way to um, just to see how these characters will react. And uh, and us as people, you put yourself in these circumstances and you think, how would I react to this? What would I do? And when it's heightened to that degree, it can really get your imagination running. And there's nothing greater than a viewer's imagination. You know, mm-hmm. we we write things, we film things, all this type of thing. And but without an audience who when their mind starts clicking, that's kind of where the magic happens. So, yeah, that's what I think. So as the producer on Death Valley, uh, what what were your duties in getting the film made? <laughs> well, I um, it, it's very it's varied, as I guess the best way to put it. Um you know, the this was the first draft of the script was written quite a long time ago, and so the the first the first uh, duties is to get money to try to bring in financing to try to bring in you know you got to start somewhere, um, and it, then it grows from there. You want to bring in people you want to work with. I mean, in this budget range, you have the opportunity to bring in people that you like, people you want to work with, people you admire. Um, and you go from there and then it's locations and, you know, you're setting the budget. You are making sure everything's going okay, making sure that everybody's happy, making sure everybody's fed, feed and water your crew and your <laughs> cast very well. Um, Do you ever feel like the world's like 
most unappreciated babysitter? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say that too much for this one because everyone was really good. I, I'm sure there are circumstances like that, but the people involved in this were a joy to work with. So they made that part very easily, very easy. Um, and then you think once you have it made and you, you, you're getting into post and things start to slow down, but they actually don't. It really, really ramps up from there because you're dealing with producer's sales. job never then you, finishes. Then you got to you got to sell the film. You got to you got to find you know a domestic release and a foreign release. And with something this size, um, because we we didn't have a lot of PAs or anything like that, so we all stepped up and did what we could. I mean. I was up till four in the morning cutting another trailer for the foreign people. I had to teach myself to cut again because I, <laughs> I, you know, I I cut short films ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone's got other jobs, and our editor is, is is doing a great job in TV. So I've been cutting trailers. Um, you know, it's but saying that on this project, everyone has stepped up. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Michelle and Jessica on the, on the PR side have done an amazing job. And that's something I can just go, you know, I don't know anything about this. I'd love to watch you guys do it, but you're the experts. And so the trick is to find someone else who knows how to do it much better than yourself. And hopefully you learn something, pay attention, learn it, but let them do their thing. You know, uh, I think we, oftentimes yeah. that's the best group experience is when the pro- producer at the top, the director at the top, hire the people or, or bring in the people who can do certain things and then get out of their way and let yeah, them do it. Absolutely. This is a collaborative thing. I mean, I, I've written a novel and I've sat in the room for, you know, 18 hours straight day after day after day. And, and there's some joy in that. However, there's nothing like sitting at a table and getting other people's minds involved and hearing them say, why don't we try this? And you think, I never thought of that. That's amazing. Um, everyone brings their point of view and you know, I mean, it's cliche, but, the more brains are better than one. And there, you know, we laugh about it. We say there's no bad ideas. There really aren't. And now there's some crazy ideas and they may not be the direction you want to go, but it certainly spurs you into thinking, well, maybe we can go this way. And it, if nothing else, it tells you this isn't working. Let's see what else we can do. So the, I like to say there's no bad ideas, just poor execution. Yeah, that, that works. Yeah, that's true. It's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Well, there's no bad ideas. There's just time constraints. Sometimes that's part of it too. Yeah. yeah. You know, <clears throat> but sometimes those time constraints make for really better, creative decisions. Yeah. But they make for better um, ideas. You know, I know we were, I had our backs against the wall many a time with this. And the great thing is there were some very creative people involved who came up with amazing ideas. And in the end, I would say what it turned out better than we had hoped just simply because of that. Um, what we would have done with the proper amount of money, the proper amount of time, um, we got creative, and I'm just really happy with the result. So, did you actually shoot in Death Valley? Or? We shot in Death Valley, and what was that like? Uh, it was good for those of you who yeah. don't know what Death Valley is like. It's like the most inhospitable place on the planet. It is. I mean, visually, it's amazing. Every 20 minutes down the road is an entirely different landscape, and we we TJ. And David, our DB, and I think Bert, our editor, went out. I know Taylor, one of the producers, went out. I went out with TJ one day, and we location scouting. And it is every 20 minutes, and you try to take advantage of it because it's you could. It's like you're on the moon. It's like you're in the Sahara. And it's just incredible. So it's hot. It's very hot. And an earlier iteration of this, we had almost the only time we could have shot it 
was in the middle of the summer, and that would have been that would have been something else. I mean, we had it. We had a schedule set up, so we would start shooting at six in the morning, break in the middle of the day for three or four hours, then start again. Now we are lucky. We shot this in February, March, and um, it's not quite as hot. It still gets hot. We did hit probably the one day of the year where it rains in Death Valley. <laughs> so we had to work around that and we had to race another day just to get our, get our shot in. Um, now the clouds make it look ominous at certain times. So that worked out well for us, but we didn't expect to get rain in Death Valley. Right. But uh, it, the, it, and in Death Valley, they were, they were incredible. The, the hotel, the, the, the state troopers, um, the park rangers, those, they were all incredible. They all stepped up for us. Um, so I have, you know, I've just only have good experience from it. Um, there are the little challenges. I mean, because you're, you know, it's not like just power everywhere where you're going to be shooting. Um, is Death Valley a national park or a state park? I believe it's a, uh, that's a good question. I think it's a national park, but because I'm curious as to what the permitting process for that. Well, like. you, you go and get all your permits, right? We had, <laughs> and Taylor, one of the producers, he did, a, and Jenny, our, our PM who was magic for us. They t- handled all that, and and the rangers helped out with that a great deal, because um, there are the certain permits you have to get, and the, you have to get them for certain locations and certain times, and you need one of the one of the actual park people with you, and because right, there are parts of Death Valley that are environmentally absolutely to, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, and you can only you can only go a certain length off the road, um, things like that. But everyone everyone was great to us. Yeah, so. Death Valley is a national park. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and yeah, they were they were they were great with us. So, but it, you know, there are certain challenges, and um, just getting everybody out there. And we we shot fairly quick, and so we shot very quick. I mean, we were doing ten pages a day at times. So yeah, it's a great Jeez, deal. Yeah. Um, but what it offered us visually was incredible, and just simply, I mean, we the only lighting we used on this whole movie in the Death Valley part was a bounce, right. because. I mean, it's a big sky. Yeah, it's just incredible. And there's light bouncing everywhere in yeah. the valley. Yeah, it's it's um, and what you can get from heat coming off certain sections. Mm-hmm. Um, it offered a lot. It it made for a challenge, but in the end, um, it really paid off. Yeah, well, and it it actually puts your actors in that yeah. moment in yeah. that environment. Yeah. Yes, um, which you wouldn't get really yes. if they were anywhere. They else. they were hot, and uh, and so it it certainly made it feel real. So, yeah. How how long did you shoot? We shot the entire movie in, with travel days, 14 days. Entire movie. So, um, it was 14. 10 in Death Valley, 2 in L.A., and then travel days in between, right. and days off in between. That's a really fast uh, schedule. Yeah, it was really yeah. fast. <laughs> but most of the people involved in this... Uh, came out of TV. A lot of people had a lot of TV experience and a long experience. So we shot with a, t- with a very small crew. I think when we did the math, there was 150 years of experience amongst the 12 people, something like that. So we said, treat this like a, you know, that extra special episode where it's going to be a little longer. But everyone who got involved with it knew that this was going to be a little different, that everyone was going to have to do whatever they could, do their parts. Um, and help out where they could, and they did. So we could do it that quickly. Mm-hmm. We shot with three cameras um, all the time. So 
Nice. That's the way I like to yep. shoot. Yeah, that's, it, de- that's mm-hmm. totally David's style. Yeah. There's some directors I talk to they think I'm insane for shooting that way, but I'm like, mm-hmm. that, that's how I can get three, through those schedules. Three cameras going all the time. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of footage, and uh, our editor did a great job putting everything you together. You just have to plan it out. Yeah, and, and they did. David and, David and TJ, and I should mention Keith, who worked with them, um, they worked in really tight quarters, and, they really, and da- uh, David and TJ have worked together quite a long time. So they knew what they were doing. They had they planned it as much as they could, but you have to have some spontaneity as well, depending on what what you're facing. But they knew what they were doing, and they had a shorthand, um, and it came together fairly quickly. Considering what you know, like I said, we were doing ten pages a day a couple of times, and some of them weren't easy. There was there was pages where tons of dialogue. There's pages with action, and and they did an amazing job. So it was fun to sit back and watch. I mean we were all doing different roles on it and so were you in the middle of it during the whole time it was just it was really interesting to watch them do what they do yeah did you do a whole lot of like pre-planning as far as shot lists and and storyboarding and things like that or did you just go out there and wing it well i think i'd say the best way to put it is somewhere in between because we didn't do we didn't do a lot of storyboarding um now tj and david went to death valley a lot and walked it and found their spots. And we knew the locations because, first of all, we had to get permits for it as well. Right. But they wanted to get in their heads. So the, he's, TJ had, has a great ability to kind of see the movie in his head. And then relating it to the people involved, he can do that as well. So he knew what he was shooting. He knew what he was doing because we didn't have time to do, you know, a lot of time for pre-production, a lot of time to set things up. Um, he just did a great job of seeing it relating it everyone got involved with it. everyone saw the vision got on board with it and it came together when you've got a, a good enough dp who like you said can communicate his ideas for what the shot is to his crew i mean if they're all working together it, you don't necessarily have to have storyboards yep. to make it yeah. work mm-hmm. it was a well-oiled machine and we laughed a lot so you know no, i also but, find but, with yeah. smaller crews you tend not to need yeah. quite as much of the prep because the smaller crews tend to be people who yeah. are all going to work together yeah. really well. Um, and the bigger the crew, harder it is to make them function in, together. In many ways, yeah. And we were very much a kind of friends and family crew. Everyone knew everybody else. There weren't that many people involved that we didn't know for a long period of time beforehand. And so it made things a lot easier. It made, there's a shorthand, our AD, who is phenomenal, is TJ's brother, Mark. They've worked together for forever, and Mark is hands down the best I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So he can run that machine, and when the machine's smaller, like you say, it, it runs a little smoother. So it can, you know, um, advantages and dis- disadvantages of both. But, you know, <laughs> it's what we had and what we did. <laughs> when someone's got to run back into town for something, <laughs> yeah. you're losing yeah. one twelfth. Oh, of and, your and crew. we uh, <laughs> we had our challenges, you know, because. There's nothing in the vicinity that close. There's no support when you. So yeah, you know, Walmart's not around the corner. When you have a problem with a tire on a on a car we're using, and you have to go an hour to get another tire, and especially when it's a vintage car, it you know you work around it. Um, but we did. I only ever tried to shoot once on a on park grounds, it was, uh, Anza Borrego, and we blew a tire out uh, driving in mm-hmm. with no permits and. Since we weren't able to get off the road fast <laughs> enough, we got busted by the park ranger <laughs> before I was able to get the tire fixed. We saw the rangers, and they did tell us to make sure we had the right permits. And yeah. we had we had permits. We weren't sure if we had the right permits. So we had more sent out to us, and we had a handful of permits hoping that something was the right one. I think we had the right one. <laughs> so, but, you know, we had 
that old car, that old Ford we had, it's a beautiful 1967, but it was the only diva on the, on the whole shoot. And it broke down every chance it wanted to. It looked Ford. amazing. <laughs> it looked incredible. In the end, it was great. There were times it was not my favorite thing. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> you work around it. Well, your schedule's tight, so we're coming up on uh, on kind of the, the timing for this. But uh, quick question. How does, how does someone come from Canada and end up writing a story about Death Valley? Uh, hockey gear. Yeah. yeah. It's a very Canadian story. I moved down here and um, didn't know anyone and knew that a great way to meet people and a great way to meet people in the entertainment industry is to play hockey. And I played hockey. So I took my hockey gear. I ended up playing on a hockey team, was introduced to Mark or AD. We became friends who invited me to a Canadian entertainment poker game. Uh, All right. Poker game. So we played in this poker okay. game. And nice. four to five people who were involved in this project played at that game. Wow. So I became friends with TJ. We had written, we, I worked on another script with TJ before, knew he wanted to shoot in the desert. So we came together to collaborate on this one. And it kind of went off from there. But yeah, started with hockey gear. Yeah. <laughs> what else can you do as a Canadian? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's an interesting thing. It's like show up for stuff, and it doesn't matter if it's an actual industry event Absolutely. or just mm-hmm. something yeah. that you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, it, showing up for things is what leads to other stuff. It really does, and you just have to be open to it. Yeah. It, um, you know, this industry can be a little isolating. It can be tough. There, there are hurdles, but if you're open to it. it I don't want to, you know, but I think if you, if you're just open to it, you, you just get yourself out there and you meet and you, and you mingle and that sort of thing. Um, good things can happen. So that's, this, this movie came from that. Well, it's great when you can find a group of people mm-hmm. that you actually can gel with Yeah, and it's all like mind and you all yep. move together forward. You know, and whether small or large, whatever the production is, if you can shoot with friends, I would recommend it. It's, it's the best experience and you really, you get a sense of, um, I guess a sense of joy you get, you really bond together. You're a team. Mm-hmm. And so when you come out the other side and you're done, you really have a sense of accomplishment and you feel good for everyone involved. And so that's kind of what I came out of this is that I was really pleased with everyone, just happy for everyone. And uh, it was just great to see how everyone stepped up and made this film. Cool. Thanks okay. for your time, Brad. Thank, well, thank you, you guys. Thank, thank you, you so all. Much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, when, when's the uh, film premiere? We are premiering on October 17th here in Hollywood and then were released on October 20th uh, all the way across North America. Yay. Great. That's fantastic. It's exciting. exciting. I think we're going to, we're going to be covering that. We're probably covering your career. Well, that's great. Well, I look forward to seeing you. Cool. All right. Thanks, Brendan. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm just going to butt in here in between the two interviews and uh, just do the, the round of uh, groveling and asking for your assistance. Uh, every week we bring you two episodes of the intellectual podcast for free. That's at least two hours of entertainment that we bring to your ear holes every week. And, uh, we're happy to do it, but you know, if you're looking for a way to help out and keep this show on the air, uh, you might consider getting yourself an audio book to listen to. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash I X E sign up for the free trial you'll get one month to peruse their library of over a hundred thousand titles you can download one book for free you get to keep it forever and uh, you'll be helping the intellectual podcast bring you more free content on a weekly basis twice a week even 
And that's all you got to do. Just go to audibletrial.com slash IXE. Sign up for your free trial. And now, let's get back to the podcast with TJ Scott. I'll just put a, a semicolon in the middle. <laughs> do you know what's weird of the hyphenated names, though? The government is not set up for them. It's very true. Like, Semicolon in the middle. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? They, they just go, no, you actually, it can't be a hyphenated name. You don't exist. You have to have a first name and a second name. I'm like, no, it's actually one name. It's- <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah, Wait, well, is that the Canadian government or American government? Both. both. Okay. Well, I, I hyphenated my name, so I can get away with but it. But last name, though? Yeah, my last name. Yeah, are you? For some reason, they're set up to do last names, but not first Last names. He's talking yeah. about first names. Oh, yeah. first names. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, yeah. that's a little fun section that yeah. <laughs> we don't get to play around with. Lame. Whatever. So, hi. Hey. I'm going to hey. put the blinders on so Dave doesn't stare. <laughs> I am still distracted. Your, your very beautiful wife is through the doorway there. Victoria Pratt's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Tough competition, yeah. i got to tell you. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> no, I'm competing. You, you don't want to follow her in anywhere. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you got a hard act to follow, man. Uh, so... Uh, you you directed Death Valley, right? I uh, co-wrote, co-wrote and uh, directed and co-produced. Yeah. Co-produced. And camera operated, oddly enough. Wow. <laughs> so you multitasked as much as you possibly could on this Did you show. say tasted? Tasked. 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 Multitasked. I call this movie. It's our fifth this, interview of the day. Yeah. So our, this our is mouths like are a, a little. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know that. It's, it's like a, a hyphenate movie. Everyone on the project had to be a hyphenate. Mm. So, uh, in fact, I don't know if Victoria told you, but she also did the the wardrobe on the. Project. She did not tell she us didn't that. Tell yeah, that. actress wardrobe. I'm sure it was saucy. But <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, now I'm distracted. And then right. some of it came off. Woo. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> as not, does in most of my projects. I've not seen a woman <laughs> yield those things as weapons so much in a 30 minute span as I have in the last. <laughs> she told us she played a villain. She knows what she's doing. Right? <laughs> did she? she your clothes off in this safe. interview? No. No. No, no, no. God, thank God, no. no. <laughs> She's still shimmying in the other room, though. <laughs> Total distraction. I'm going to turn this way. Good. Because I don't need to actually look at you to talk yeah. to you. Uh-oh. Don't, don't. Oh. What is she doing now? <laughs> Poor DJ is just sitting here going, oh, Jesus. Yeah. We should just put up pictures of Victoria. You know, just like a little, it should actually just be a silent interview and we'll just put flash pictures of her up. You know? <laughs> Hit the Google gallery. Come and see her in Death Valley. So, uh, writing Death Valley, you co-wrote it with... Uh, Brad. With Brad, Brad. McPherson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What was that process like? Well, it was kind of cool. The project was uh, originally a project that Brad had written the sort of the outline and most of the story for. And I always wanted to shoot something that was in Death Valley because it's my favorite place on Earth. So I kind of <coughs> said, why don't we take this storyline that you've come up with and transpose it into a cool little project that would shoot in Death Valley? So the two of us sat down together and uh, wrote it out like kind of hammering it out at the same table, knocking it out, uh, computers uh, right across from each other. And it was it was kind of a cool way to do uh, writing a project like this. Was this like all in one shot, or did you guys like take a couple one of weeks? One day. We one wrote day. The whole- <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes, Carla. 110 pages. Uh, no, but we actually did write it extremely quickly. I think we, we probably spent two weeks writing it. Oh. Um, 
which is is quick, but we hammered it out, you know, nine hours a day, uh, two writers. So it, it's well, I imagine with two writers, you guys are self editing each other as you go along, right? So. Yeah, and you kind of pick and choose who's going to write what scenes, and then you self edit. So it, it's really like you've you've kind of got um, double the time actually. So if we did it in two weeks, it's like doing it in a month if it was one writer, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I asked Brad. <clears throat> you seem like a nice guy too. Um, where do nice people come up with such horrible ideas? <laughs> well, this isn't a horrible idea. The the kind of what intrigues what, <laughs> what, what intrigued me like and it always well, intrigues well me is uh, what you really don't know people until you know them in adversity. Mm-hmm. So it's like someone could be your best friend, but then crap happens, and you're like. How is that person going to handle uh, a situation like that? When everything's great, oh, you can be best friends. When something really horrific happens, then then how do you handle it? So that's always been uh, a thematic thing that I've liked, uh, and and kind of triumph of the spirit or not triumph of the spirit, you know, depending on <laughs> mm-hmm. on how it goes. So kind of the idea of the story was like, you know, what if you had four people that you think know each other, but they really don't know each other, and the shit hits the fan. Um, so that was kind of the idea behind exploring that uh, and then finding actors that knew each other, but had actually never all acted together and, and sort of seeing how they played these scenes out. Uh, and they brought a whole life to it themselves, which is cool. Well, and then you went and dumped them all into Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you it was know. like a wonderful, my, weird experiment. My, my favorite place on earth, but yeah, no, it's a damn dust bowl is yeah. what it is but uh, of the coolest scenery ever you guys want to go home act your way out of this yeah <laughs> and then you know everyone's like okay we're going to the hottest place on earth the first it's also like two the days coldest place on we're freezing yeah. you know yeah. uh, you know the actresses are out in tiny little but even the guys were out in you know just little suits and stuff and they're like freezing their balls off mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, it was just crazy so uh, we just expected it to be boiling hot and it's freezing cold no one expected that and we got sandstorms the first day which looked great on film but when you're actually you know chewing chewing on sand because it's coming into your mouth and Mm -hmm. it's going into the cameras and we're trying to clean the cameras it was slightly uh, an additional horrific (laughs) element to the story (laughs) but fantastic at the same time you know Yeah, Brad had said that you guys shoot with three cameras. Yeah, it was kind of an unusual approach, especially for a super low-budget project. David does three-camera shoot, too. Yeah, I like yeah. shooting three cameras. It's, it was, if you can choreograph the lighting to be perfect at, at the timing, and, and we really knew where the light was going to be so that we didn't have to have a lot of lights, and we worked with natural light, and you shoot super quickly. So we did master close-up, close-up, master close-up, close-up, move on, next scene. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way we could do that, we had actors that just knew their lines, nailed it. There was no sitting there and twiddling and screwing around. It was There's like, no, ask, no asking for where's my motivation. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it, why I like working. Get to the next scene. <laughs> I like working through camera because it's more like allowing the actors to flow through the scene yep. instead of structuring it. You know, okay, give me these three lines and talk to this cardboard stick, you know, like exactly. Um, they're really interacting. They're really reacting to one another. They can actually play off of one another yeah. better, I think. But but know. it's a way of going too with a with a, a a fairly low budget production. You know, low low budget all being relative. But um, <laughs> it, it, to have three cameras is a, is a costly you know um, way of mounting a production. 
But then there's also the economy. If you can nail it and move on, and you've got the actors that can do that, that's right. great. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're flying along. Yeah, and two, we knew two, two cameras for an extra few days, two additional cameras maybe translates into less money overall than having your 12 or 14 people out there for six additional days. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you've got to know how to work it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, what kind of cameras were they? I mean, we used the Canon C300s, oh, nice. which, which are tiny. And, and part of the reason behind that was shooting in Death Valley, you're literally in the desert. And we were hiking to locations. Like we're shooting on sand dunes that are pristine sand dunes, but you've got to walk into them. Mm-hmm. So you can't be carrying Every some of those of gears. big, heavy cameras <laughs> and big, heavy tripods. You know, the heavier the camera, the bigger the tripod, the bigger mm-hmm. the everything becomes right you got to get the we weights went, everything let's think out what can be lightweight but still have a really cinematic feel to it mm-hmm. and those c300s were were pretty damn amazing yeah, yeah i was really impressed they make a real pretty picture yeah yeah that's cool um so when you decided to make the move to death valley and, and go shoot the film actually in death valley how did you go about finding that crew that you were going to work with like you mentioned that they're friends and some of them are family, but yeah. you know, how do you convince everybody to go on this crazy adventure with you? Well, it's, it's, this was, and I'm sure, uh, Victoria explained it's a, it's a friend and friends and family type picture where mm-hmm. we went, you know, uh, no one's going to make, um, you know, a lot of money on this. This isn't our, our big budget picture. This is our cool, fun, little indie where we just do the shit we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Can we say shit? Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Excellent. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> Dump whatever so, uh, swear words so, you want. So theater. what we did is we we handpicked my, you know, some of my favorite crew members who were all uh, major award winners in every single category and said, hey, it, it's, it's only like, you know, 12 days. Let's, let's, you know, go out and do this project together. So just kind of cherry picked everyone and just offered to the actors. There's no auditions. There's nothing. It's like, do you want to do this role? Here it is. Now, our only problem was it was at pilot season. Mm-hmm. So I had to convince every actor's manager to let them leave during pilot they season. They could leave in pilot season. And the way I did it is I said, we will film every, we'll, we'll uh, you know, uh, put on tape every audition they get. Well, was I? damn crazy on this because we had some nights we're doing eight auditions in a night after we had filmed you know so we're shooting for another three hours of auditions (laughs) with all the actors in a pilot season but uh, you know these are all my buddies so yeah so so it was like so you just email them in or yeah we'd we'd have a bunch of drinks at the bar and then we'd put stuff on tape and then we'd send it in (laughs) get it together (laughs) again friends and family that's how you do you're just like oh crap I got an assignment due tomorrow like let's get it in perfect that's exactly what you do bar after you shot right (laughs) yes shoot bar then more shooting okay so here's the cool thing about Death Valley is there's there's only one resort there there's one resort Mm -hmm. and it only has so many rooms so we plan this to be in the off season for them which is why it was a little bit cold there. And we rented out all the rooms and we pretty much had rented out all the rooms of the resort for our production. Mm -hmm. So they would stay open late when we came home in the bar and everyone would meet up at the bar as soon as you wrap in your shower and get the sand sand out of your orifices. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You would then all convene in the bar and we would uh, all drink and have food and and the party just continued. And, And then you'd shoot these little stuff and then you'd have four hours sleep and then we'd go back and meet you in the middle of the desert you know at six in the morning again it was 
pretty crazy. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Was. One of our, everyone great. on the crew says it was one of their favorite shoots ever. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds, it sounds like, I mean, we're from San Diego and so we're a bit removed from the LA machine of filmmaking. So all of our films kind of sound like that. It's like, I'm just all my friends and my family and we get together and we have a, a blast. Um, but this was this was a higher level of people that you're well, convincing had, to come out and, and do this with. And you. I had just walked like, off that's of amazing. Spartacus, where you know we could op- often have 300 people on set in a day, and we we're spending probably six and a half million an episode. I uh, love Spartacus. Did you? I did. <laughs> did you like William. some of the guys in it? <laughs> <laughs> Carla's blushing again. No one can see. But <laughs> Liam and Manu, yeah? Yeah. Carla ogles more than I Clothing do. not required. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, there was no clothing yeah. <laughs> in 90% of those episodes. I know. It was so funny. The first time I actually watched it, because I didn't direct in the first season, I was like, oh, Oh, <laughs> frontal nudity! Oh, we're full frontal on everybody. Okay, <laughs> this is uh, the new era of TV. Uh, oh yeah, and I like it. I, I gotta go it kinda, do me some of that. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of broke the mold for a lot of TV programs. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty damn cool, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, going between that and you know some of the other big budget shows, it was fun to to yeah. go do something that was like super super indie. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, it sounds like you had a really really good time. Fantastic. How did you move into directing? Like, how did you become a director? Uh, a, a long, circuitous story, but I, I started as an actor when I was probably eight years old and doing pretty well by 13. And uh, then when I was like 18 years old, all the big actors were doing their own stunts. So it was like, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. And all us young actors were like, we need to learn how to do stunts. You know, this is cool. (laughs) And I, right place, right time. I just kind of fell into that business for a while and uh, became probably one of the two or three busiest stuntmen in the world. And then was stunt coordinating by like 19 or 20. And then they give you all this second unit to direct. So by 21, I was second unit directing and going to film school at the same time. And then went, yeah, I never actually meant to be in stunts. I just actually like this directing thing. I'm going to go into that. So yeah, that was the kind of the weird segue that you could <laughs> never plan in a million mm-hmm. years. And uh, I've, I've a lot thought, of on the job training. Yeah, and but it's the beauty I, of life. Even when I was an actor, it's the though, beauty I, of opportunity mm-hmm. is what yeah. it is. I grew up in Canada, where the director is a guy from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a god that arrives from Los Angeles. Yeah. It's not a job that you can ascribe to or think when mm-hmm. you're a kid that you can do. Right. Nowadays, with the internet and you know uh, HD cameras and you know people shooting with their own cameras, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know a lot simpler. Back then, you had to have a camera, so uh, it was kind of funny to grow up as an actor, but always sitting beside the director. I would I would never go to my trailer ever. I would just sit there and watch what the director was doing, going, this is the coolest job ever. I'm glad I'm an actor. I can watch him. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, it just sort of struck a chord. I went, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe a Canadian guy can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I can direct too. So, mm-hmm. it was, uh, What was your first big, act, uh, big directing? Uh, I think kind of uh, when I was like, 23 I did a TV series um, called Top Cops which was on NBC and it was right at the time when the Simpsons and the Cosbys were on and they were drawing so many people that NBC said oh let's just throw away you know a million dollars on a little show a cop show 
and you know hire a Canadian just throw a million dollars away you know back then it was just crazy it was like you know uh, uh, the Cosby was making they had 50 50 million viewers a week Uh, the Simpsons had 26 we had 16 or 17 million and we were just like the throwaway show now if anyone had that now that's a huge number for today well nowadays that would be like the biggest show on TV exactly so they're like oh well this kid wants a direct sure no problem this is our throwaway show (laughs) Thursday nights at 8 o'clock Jeez, that was like that's like the friends time slot. Jeez, that's like the best time slot. That's how I started. You know, fluked into this time slot that they just thought was throwaway, so they didn't care. Yeah. So uh (laughs) it's a good way to break in. Opportunities. Definitely. Opportunities. (laughs) It was actually CBS, not NBC. Um yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, fun fun way to break in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well that's I mean that's the beauty of this town though, is that if you know how to use these opportunities because there's doors that are open you have to walk through them you know and it's really it's it's fun to see that you know it wasn't your intention to go to directing but that's where this you know industry kind of led you I this think it's is wonderful the, the fun thing about uh america and america in tv and tv and film in general is you even though i went to film school you don't need an education they just love talent Mm-hmm. And the thing about Americans is they love discovering talent. When you're like 20 years old and you're just, you know, the hot new thing, they would much rather have you than the 50-year-old guy who has a resume this long. I mean, they just love the idea of there's new talent, the fresh thing, mm-hmm. which is so American. And, and I love that. And that's why we all move here and why we all love you know, being American and being in the film industry and that's being, why my career is doomed. Being an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not 20 anymore either. So. <laughs> yeah, but you made the opportunities happen yeah. when you were in your 20s. Yeah. I waited until I was 30 to even think about becoming Don't. a filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> I did capitalize. <laughs> it's true. Well, but you don't, I mean, I think in this industry, you don't have to necessarily be in your 20s. If you're an actress, you may need to, but I think that's the only kind of like, that's the only group of people that really need to. You know, we have friends of ours that, you know, some of them are really in their careers are like stable. And then some of them are really questioning, you know, should I keep doing this? Should I just start working at a bank instead of, you know, going after my dream? And I think it really depends on, you know, when is when, you know, I know Brian Cranston didn't really do anything until yeah. he was almost 40. I mean, yeah. that's okay. You know, yeah, there've been several actresses. Yeah. Uh, I can't call names offhand that had didn't start their careers until they were in their fifties. True. Yeah. True. Oh yeah. One of the desperate housewives few, characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. A few decades ago, a few yeah. decades ago. Yeah. That happened, but you're, you're absolutely right. And so I think it's, I, I think it's wonderful. And I'm sure you have a lot of new things you're going to be doing too. Well, I kind of live by the Andy Warhol. I always just say, you need to reinvent yourself every seven years to mm-hmm. become, uh, to be valid as yes. an artist. And I, truly truly believe that is is you can't keep doing the same thing exactly. and you know the brian cranston so they, they shift it up now they might have been given a role but then they take it and they shift it mm-hmm. and you know one of them that's uh, really comes to mind as an actor is michael chiklis yes and michael chiklis in the shield you know he was kind of seen as the comedy guy from mm-hmm. the commission and stuff and he realized he needed to reinvent himself right and he petitioned and petitioned to get that role in the shield and I'm, I've got friends on the shield, you know, at the time, and they were like, "He's not the guy. He's not the guy. He's not the guy." And he walked in, and they finally said, Look, we'll, "We'll see him. We'll see him. It's a courtesy thing. We'll see him." And he comes in, and he does his audition. And they're like, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah. ooh!" But you know, he's not quite got the shape of the character. And he said, "Give me six weeks. Don't cast this character." 
don't cast a character. He came back in six weeks. He had hit the gym and he came back. He had shaved his head. He was like, and he walked in and they went, oh, there's no one else for the role. Yeah. So that's a matter of a guy going in and like reinventing himself. So do you think uh, running off and doing a real like crazy independent film like this, is that like the next step of kind of doing your reinvention on, on it, it your was art? part of it. It was yeah. part of it was mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like, uh, and, and the reinvention part of it, that was that, uh, um, that was the first time I'd really produced a movie, mm. you know, and I, I produced it with um, a, a couple other people, but really got in there and nuts and bolts produced it. And that was part of the interesting thing of putting a project together, which I hadn't done before. Um, and what was that like for you stepping into the producer role? It was good. You know, it's not, um, I don't think that will be my thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you tried the suit on; it didn't fit. You don't like you know, I, I actually I enjoyed it, but I think I, I like really the directing part more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've tried on a lot of different suits in the, in this business, and mm-hmm. uh, it was fun to do it. And you know what? You gain a lot of respect for producers. And I always think I love it when producers go to direct because then they get a lot of respect for what the directing mm-hmm. is. So the exact same way I reverse around, I go, okay, I got tons of respect for you as yeah. producer. I've been now. saying for a long time that I think more people should at least try out the other roles in yeah. the business so that we all kind of understand each other's roles better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so much of what we all do, we do apart from each other, but the, all the pieces are so important to yeah. creating the whole. But everybody thinks, well, you know, I'm I'm the most important. This is the stuff. Nothing will happen if I if I don't get my stuff done, and your stuff's not as important. And it's just not true. <laughs> Everybody's got so much importance in getting it done. I always think people should step into actors' shoes because it yeah. seems so glamorous, and you're mm. in front of the camera and everything. It's a lot of sitting around. But but when but you, a, when you got to step up and deliver yeah. and like, you know, it was like, you could not mess up on death Valley. Like it's just, we were under the gun. It's like, we need to be at this location at this time. Cause of where the sun is. Then we're jumping to this part of the story. This, you know, we were moving to this location and we followed the sun and we had it all mapped out to where the sun was going to be, to where the story happened mm-hmm. because it all happens within one day. So each day at noon, you're telling the part of the story that happens at noon. You're telling, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's mind-twisting for an actor. So, yeah. you know, and, and nail it. Now do six six pages of dialogue and bang it out and don't miss any lines because Lachlan Monroe's not going to miss any lines. Well, uh, and, and they all show up he on makes set. Up his own, though, but. Show up on set around the same time as the crew, but the crew's got to take, you know, all this time to get the, the stuff set up and the actor's just kind of waiting around. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. But I mean, under those where, circumstances, you know, and then it's like, okay, get up here and perform. Yeah, perform. yeah. now yeah. Let's do go. your thing. Yeah. Well, it's good though having those limitations. Yeah. You know, you don't have time to question. Yeah. So it's kind of good in a way because I know as an artist, you constantly are questioning if you're good enough, if you can do these lines, if you can, you know, do I look pretty enough or skinny enough or big enough and muscular? And once you have no time to think about that, you all you have is that character. Go. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need. You need that push. So it's kind of, in a way, it was, I think I can already tell just by how you're talking about these actors, I can't wait to see them deliver these lines. Well, that's why, I, you know, I went with actors that I knew were perfect for the roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick Tarabay from, uh, from Spartacus, it just comes with the most fantastic baggage. <laughs> <laughs> Only in this town can you say that. <laughs> it's like you're like... He walks on screen and you go, that 
guy. I don't know where yeah. he's going to go. I don't know if he's a yeah. good guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. I've seen him play both. Right. He, he is fantastic. He's twisted. Is he smiling? Is he grimacing? He's like, you know. Yeah, what's and he then, thinking? And then Katrina Law, you know, uh, is like gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, but has this little glint in her eye of mischief and, you know, misdirection. And Lachlan Monroe, who's been in every Wayne's Brother movie, I don't know if you know, in every Wayne's Brother movie, uh, he's in them all, and he's called Greg. <laughs> in every single one. And what, he, what the Wayne's Brothers say is he's the token white man. Yes. Oh, so wow. they purposely call him Greg, and he's in White Chicks, he's in Scary Movie, he's in every one of their little man uh, I don't even know all the movies. He's in every single one, and they just call up and they say, "Hey, Lachlan, we're doing another movie, and you're playing Greg." <laughs> <laughs> now I've got an excuse to go back and watch all the Wayne's movies. Yeah, he, right. He's in every one. He's got a big role, yeah. so he's fantastic. You know, he, he's a, a fantastic comedian, but also has a real dark side that he can bring out too. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Victoria Pratt. It's like uh, you know, you've got one mm-hmm. of the most beautiful women in the planet who's got this great laugh, but can be super twisted. And mm-hmm. dark too, like I know she was telling you about mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> stealing the- baby embryos, and yeah. things, as she does, you know, yeah. in all the in Lifetime bl- movies. In yeah, well, in, in the movies she does. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> was it like working with her? Oh, uh, we've done so many projects together yeah. that you know yeah. we met on set. I, I cast her in her first role ever. And, That's so cool. Uh, and then when I knew I was never working with her on that show again. Uh, uh, we'd been working together for like two months. Uh, I said, cut, print, and would you like to go out on a date? And she goes, oh, God, I thought you were gay. She says, oh. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, I've been hitting on you for two months and you've been doing nothing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was being the director. You know, you put the blinders on. So. You put the blinders on, wow. you put the professional wall Yeah, up. you put the professional yeah. on. Like I was trying to do yeah. when yeah, we were talking to Yeah, learn from this man. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, <laughs> That's an adorable story. I thought so you were gay. I love and then you. We, uh, in the movie, we had Kelly Who played a, a cameo. And Kelly's like, you know, fantastic. And mm. Jeremy Ratchford from Cold Case uh, and uh, Juliet Bevan from 8mm. I love Juliet. I know. She's Juliet, sweet. fantastic. She's such a nice And lady. I can't believe there's a picture of her right behind me. I wish you could see it. And, I can see uh, it. And I took it. Uh, <laughs> is she in a bathtub? She is. I That's cool. I tend to shoot a lot of people in bathtubs. Uh, <laughs> Why? Uh, uh, I have a coffee table, coffee table book called In the Tub, which is portraits of actors, recording artists, models, all using a bathtub as a common setting. And all the profits go to breast cancer research. Nice. Oh, that's wonderful. And I've shot probably 300 celebrities in bathtubs. Wow. Dang. Where, where, where can oh, people wow. buy that? Uh, you can get it on Amazon Books. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's done about a quarter million in sales. That's great. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So anyways, we've got this fantastic cast, you know, in this movie, and uh, they all just kick ass, and they're all hired because they kick ass. They (laughs) kick ass, they're family and friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just come, they're the actors that are going to nail it, and they're going to bring something dark and twisted to the movie, (laughs) Uh, which is, you know, it's a dark, twisted movie. That's that's what we want. It's uh, it's a little messed up. Well, it sounds like you just had a really good time making it. Yeah. Had a fantastic time. 
you know, between talking with, mm-hmm. with Brad and Victoria and now yourself. And, and so the just, movie score was it was just yeah. absolutely outstanding. Well, the score was done mm-hmm. by Juliet Bevan and Sean Bevan. And, uh, you know, Sean has produced Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Guns N' Roses, No Doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, you know, you've got a guy with that experience and he comes in and he scores. And the two of them scored the movie together. Right. He, he was on set, wasn't he? Just he, he was also see it was a hyphenate thing. He uh-huh. was also the sound recordist. He was the guy putting <laughs> the mics on people, uh-huh. recording all the sound, and then also did the score. Yeah, Brad was saying that because um, mm. we were talking before his interview that that he was just walking around going, "Okay, I can see this," and and as things uh, were playing out, yeah. he was actually scoring in his head. He was. He that was. was awesome. Wow. Now Sean had never done uh, recording of actors before. In the movie, and about three weeks before, I said, Sean, do you think you could do this? And he says, um, yeah, I could probably learn how to do that in time. And I went, okay, this is the guy who's done, you know, recorded all these bands, like Nine Inch Nails around mm-hmm. the world and put the mics on them in studio, you know, in, in concerts. I'm like, I think he can figure out how to mic some actors. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he was like so educated on the thing it was like ridiculous he'd like done oh, all his awesome. research in the three weeks since I asked him uh, <laughs> that it came in and just killed it it was just ridiculous that's cool uh, yeah that's cool to like just e- even there helping him reinvent himself a little bit too right like, yeah yeah and you know the, the it's similar but not not exactly Frank Reznor had gotten into you know from Nine Inch Nails and those two mm-hmm. used to live in a house together um <laughs> When he he was recording uh, "Downward Spiral" and Marilyn Manson's uh, album together at the at the same time in the same house. Wow, jeez! And it was the house that uh, um, uh, Sharon Tate was killed in. Oh. <laughs> that oh. is so effing cool! Oh yeah. my gosh, oh, that's yeah. probably like the coolest thing I've heard. Isn't that like, crazy? Ever. Yeah, that's so cool. Nobody would rent that house, so he and Trent Reznor went. We'll rent it. We'll turn it into a studio. Right. <laughs> So, That's so, wow. so the the vibe in that house. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh wow, that is a so you intense. Listen to downward spiral. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking at it <laughs> there right you now, go. and I've heard it a bunch of times. I like love seeing Nine all Inch Nails. the synapses firing. What? Head, I, yeah. I didn't even notice. It's I know. Isn't that weird? Wall, it's on the wall right, right behind no, you. No doubts, right the <laughs> no doubts right there. Yeah, no doubts right there. And eight millimeters right down there. Yep. Boom. This is crazy. I hadn't mm-hmm. even turned around and seen all that. So weird. It's like you didn't even know. Your platinum and gold and silver records crazy. all behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so good. We so. need to take pictures of all the stuff on the wall behind me that I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, the, the movie has a fantastic soundtrack. Um, and uh, um, um, uh, David Croco and Sailor Scott also did uh, a lot of the soundtrack on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the final credit song is Liz Primo. Uh, it's just a song that just is mesmerizing. Uh, it was so fantastic. She has this song. And um, she's a wonderful recording artist. And the second I played that song to Sean, he was like, oh, my God, that's got to be the closing credits of this movie. He'd actually <laughs> never heard her before. So that's yeah, cool. We, we got a great soundtrack on, on the movie, too. Uh, once again, it's all friends and family, so mm-hmm. it's pretty damn cool. So you you've got to be just like itching for the premiere to like unleash the film on the world. We've been holding on to it for a while, so yeah, yeah, want to get it out there. Oh yeah, and that's uh, that's going to be October seventeenth. Mm-hmm. It's the premiere. And, yeah, uh, we're and gonna then, we're gonna be covering your red carpet. So. Awesome. 
And the twentieth is to dis- the, when it goes out. Yeah, the twentieth. The twentieth people can download it and watch mm-hmm. it and uh, see what the hell we're talking about. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoy what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Well, well, we're yeah. talking great music, great cinematography because you've got Death Valley. Yeah, which is and totally oh, beautiful. And David Harrington was the director of photography on it. Mm-hmm. David and I met when I was sixteen years old. And I was uh, an actor who used to be in a lot of commercials, and he was a focus puller for a very famous uh, director of photography who uh, then promoted him up, and he became a big director of photography. But from the time of – I can't say how many years. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been friends you know, most of my life, and to have him as my director of photography is fantastic, and he does Warehouse 13 and – I uh, a yeah. lot of big shows that he's the director of photography and he had this tiny window that was open and I was just so happy to get him to, <laughs> to do this movie with me. Uh, and then for him to let me to be, you know, I was the A camera operator and he was the B camera operator. So that was pretty damn fantastic. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Keith Andreen did uh, the C camera, uh, Katrina Law's husband, who was our everything guy. Like... <laughs> Any job that the 12 of us and the crew couldn't do, mm-hmm. Keith could do. Nice. <laughs> he was like, uh, came out of like, he looks like he was coming out of, you know, the desert, some army. You know, uh, I need ice cubes. Oh, I got a bag of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I, 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 I need a screwdriver. Uh, yeah, I got every type you could possibly imagine. He's wearing it's it out ca- in the middle it, of the it's desert. It's kind of like Diego's belt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we, got a, we got a little guy um, who works on our crews. He showed up on the first feature that I produced about 10 years ago. He was, I want to say just turned 18 and he was just, he showed up to like ask questions and just observe one day. And I was like, Oh, you know, you've asked all these questions all day today. If you want to keep learning, come back and join the crew, you know? So he showed up, he's been working on stuff with me for 10 years now, but he's that guy. Like, I need something. Oh, I got it right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he literally He's got this is, like yeah. gnarly huge belt full of stuff. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you need I, that guy. I, I need a lake. Oh, got one. <laughs> <laughs> it's right around the corner. Keith Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Every set needs that guy. Yeah. That guy who just has, uh, it's like, it's like. Gaffing the, tape. I got yeah. it. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's like their, their bags of TARDIS and just endless bottles. And then he was actually the guy that, you know, I got to admit, he did pretty much shot all of the um, tapings for people for their auditions at night. <laughs> when, when we were all dying, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Fantastic actor. I just had him on Longmire uh, in this season. He, he played a role in Longmire, and I think we're going to bring him back next year. Nice. nice. So, yeah. so Longmire is going to be back again? Well, you never know, but I'm, I'm going to think it is. Mm. It's, it's, I, I love that so. show. Yeah. So cool. I love that show. Didn't they go to Netflix or something? Yeah, yeah. We, we just released like two weeks ago on Netflix the entire season. Oh, it's going to do great. Yeah. I haven't watched this season yet. Yeah, oh, so don't tell me yet. anything it's, yet. But I got my mom into the show. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, Mom, you got to watch this. And she's like, oh, I'm like, you got to come watch this. That's Katie Sackhoff. She's, she's, yeah. yeah, well, that's why I wanted to watch it. <laughs> and then we sat down and watched it, and we both just got hooked. This and, season's and, really good. And our buddy Dean. Um, Which I Dean? Pronounce, pronounce his last name. Botel? David Dean Patrell. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in an episode. I didn't work with him. Uh-huh. I, I did two of the 10 this year, uh, but it's really cool because it's very serialized, mm-hmm. you know, with Netflix and, and all the shows mm-hmm. now are going more and more serialized, which is so cool. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, 
You got that running A storyline going through them all. It's so cool that you can do that. Yeah. I, I love the, the binge season. Like yeah. The, the ability to tell a long arc story. Like, I thought the Daredevil uh, season this year yeah. was just amazing. I, I just so binged good. Hand of God. Oh, did you? Yes, I oh. loved it. Well, I absolutely loved it. My, uh, my very, very good friend Jeff King uh, was mm-hmm. the producer on that. And uh, Stephen DeKnight did uh, Daredevil. Yeah. Mm. Uh, two of my buddies were at our house last Friday. <laughs> well, if you see them again, tell them we love their shows. Oh, yeah. awesome. We have a do, lot do of people prefer, telling them they love their that, shows. That, that ability to tell a whole story like all at once like that? Or I, do you just, like the, the delayed release of traditional television? No, I, I just love it when they all came out. You know, it's like I was literally watching Longmire at midnight. I was sitting there going, Waiting and waiting, waiting on the Thursday night that it came out two weeks ago, <laughs> and they went boom and started watching it. So I'm a fan of the shows that I work on. I don't work on oh, a show great. unless I love it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I hadn't seen the first episode. I'd seen rough cuts, but mm-hmm. I wanted to see it. So, so I I binge the shows that I work on. That's awesome. That's so great. <laughs> Gotham started last night. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we can't binge that. You got to like no. you know, you 22 wait. episodes. Yeah. Uh, I've actually found that I now really get annoyed by regular television scheduling. <laughs> I, I tend to build them up normally. Like, you know, um, you, you, you put them in the DVR and then watch them as they come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what my brother-in-law and my sister do. They'll, they'll like stockpile six episodes of something and then mm-hmm. they'll sit and watch all six. Of I decided to stop watching walking dead for like two years. I can't wait to see what everybody else is so angry about. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I just finished Daredevil, So I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I, I binged through Daredevil in three nights. So, <laughs> yep, yeah. I did the same thing with Wet Hot American Summer. It was so good. <laughs> That's one of those ones that people love or hate. Yeah, you actually, yeah, you have to love or hate it. But if yeah. you love the film, then you love the Netflix series. So okay. we could go on and on about Netflix series, but Longmire, yes, okay, way to go. Good. Yes, <laughs> we like it. Watch it. Yeah. We will. We will well, watch TV, it. TV sure. has changed a lot in oh. the last like ten years. Oh my gosh, yeah. Five years. Everything five, about yeah. it. Yeah. Last five. I mean, seasons now are no more than 10 episodes, 10, 12 episodes. 13 usually, somewhere yes. around 13. I think yeah. 10's a good number, though, because it yeah. nice really leaves you wanting more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you 12, got to wait the, another year, though. Right, because 12's the British season, yeah. right? A good, well, solid, but a good six. solid hour. Yeah. You know, not a, not this 42, 47, 50 minute kind of thing. Yeah. No. And sometimes Full they go over like, an hour or yeah. under an hour. It's yeah. nice. It's not, I like that they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you I never know. I, I love Sons of Anarchy for the same reason mm. because they would go, <laughs> you know what? We're going to run a hundred and, you know, uh, maybe an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, they don't care. It's like they don't whatever care. works. With, whatever is appropriate to tell the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Is that I, I gotta say that's the most liberating thing for a director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you gotta, gotta cut be. it to it's gotta be forty two minutes. It's mm-hmm. like it actually plays great at forty eight, you know, right. but then you lose six minutes of really exactly. good stuff. Exactly. Um and then <laughs> the length of the series. Yep. Exactly. Uh yeah. we did um Black Sales the first season. I did the season finale, episode eight. I'm like it just it's started. started. <laughs> 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 I did episode six and eight and done. It was, mm. you know, yeah. Um, so it was, it was kind of funny, but it's it's, it's mm. kind of cool how there is no, you know, no number anymore. It could right. be eight, right. it could yeah. be ten, it could be twelve, thirteen. It's all fun. That's cool. Well, thank you for sitting down and, yeah. and chatting with us. Yeah, you know, I loved my it. My pleasure. We're 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 all super excited to get to see Death Valley in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. 
Excellent. Just I, really excited. To see yeah. it. I'm, I'm so happy you're going to see it on the big screen. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Uh, mm. you, know, you can really see the, the depth of Death Valley. And really, you know, Death Valley is the fifth character in the movie. It, it really is the bad guy. As well, mm-hmm. it should be. Yeah. Yeah. In many ways. That's, you shouldn't go yeah. shoot in Death Valley unless it's going to be a It's character. the antagonist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everyone's not that bad a person until they're put into Death Valley. And, yeah. you know. Now, now you got to deal with the valley, and it's it's got its own way of uh, wooing you and seducing you to the dark side, mm-hmm. and and so we nature. really wanted yeah. to play yeah. Death Valley, and I think we captured that in the cinematography <coughs> and in the story, and um, as not only the background but wraps itself around as the bad guy in the movie that that turns everybody. I love how passionate he gets. I know time. it's so exciting. <laughs> You're making me so excited. Up. Whole oh. face lights up. Like, yeah. I'm so. That's happy when you know it's going to be good when the exactly. director's that on board. When he's with what that he's doing. Exactly. Yeah, and he watches his own TV show, so we know we yeah. know he's solid. So <laughs> wonderful. And he roots right. for them. Yeah, yeah I know. Right? <laughs> well, thank thank you all so much for having us here. Thanks for you know paying attention to our movie. Of course, a lot of people are. They're going to pay attention. Yeah, we're very pro independent film. Fantastic. Absolutely. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Thank you once again for joining us on the Intellectual Podcast. We bring you two episodes a week. Uh, We talk to filmmakers here in San Diego, filmmakers in Hollywood, and interesting people from all over the world. And we bring it to you twice a week right here on the Intellectual Podcast. So make sure you're tuning in. You can always find us at ixe.us on the web. Or if you want to make your life a little bit easier, subscribe to the show via iTunes if you're an Apple person or a service like Stitcher. Uh, They've got a pretty handy uh, podcast app that's available for Android. It's also available for Apple devices as well if you're just not an Apple app guy and don't want to use the podcast app if you prefer the experience on stitcher you're welcome to do so it's the beauty of the internet and the app stores is you have options and whatever option you choose subscribe to the intellectual podcast it'll be the easiest way to listen to the show because once our shows go online bam those episodes become available on your mobile device um, right there for you to listen to in the convenience of your car or on your headphones while you're working out or walking your dog or wherever you're going, you can take the intellectual podcast with you just by subscribing. It's as simple as that. Check us out on iTunes, check us out on Stitcher, check us out on your favorite podcast app, whatever it may be. And we'll see you twice a week here on the intellectual podcast.